And now, it's time for that great new game show. It's the PowerShell Podcast. It's all about PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast. Something new, something revolutionary. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm mediocre host Jordan with Ultra Mega Superstar, who has let his diva status go to his head, I've noticed recently. <laughs> Andrew Plaw. Wow. Breaking the third wall. <laughs> Hearing it's, my dirty laundry. But like, normally, when we have guests, they get to see what you're really like for that brief time. So it's nice for me, but I'm just letting everyone who has not been a guest know it, it is becoming untenable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, we're going wild over here. We're trashing hotels. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Thanks for telling everybody though. That's, that's what I'm here for. You know, I'm, I'm the journalist in that aspect. I'm always exposing the truth. Yeah. So what are we, professional. So what are we going to talk about for a few brief moments before we bring in a, just a real superstar, a real superstar, guesser. real superstar. Yeah. I think that what we're going to talk about is what you've been up to, my man. What's up? You've been writing again. You, you, I, I did. I, fingers already? I did. I have, I have a blog for the first time. It's been a while. I've been, I do patch Tuesday every month. I do writing on that, mm-hmm. but this is the first time I've done a blog on just anything PowerShell related. It's, it's in the rough draft. I'm sure, I'm sure it is not adequate, but it will be whenever it goes live. Nice. What are you looking up? What are you doing it on? Uh, test path. Oh, nice. That's pretty useful. I, I do like that one. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to you getting back into that. I'm, I'm going to do some blogging this year as well. Get back into that flow. It's always nice. I've heard some stories of people recently who've been blogging or looking to start blogging. And it is just a fun learn as you teach kind of thing. Do you know it's an awesome blog? Tell me. What, what's an awesome blog? I could always use another awesome blog. I love PowerShell. Tell me something, Jordan. Today's guest, Dell Hassinger, has a blog, Vcrox. We're going to bring him on here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. Happy so you, you are, and I look through all, all of your accolades here and holy crap, man, you've got, you, you've got, you got awards and, and victories coming out your ears, but you still find time. You write a blog and, and you advocate a whole bunch of awesome PowerShell stuff. And uh, so what does it say? Currently you said you've been working on uh, power CLI as, as kind of your big focus. Right. Because I work with virtualization, yeah, my my the module that I would probably say I use the most is PowerCLI to work with vCenter and to do automation with some of their other other products also. Um, and if people people that don't know what vCenter is, you know, that's that's the management tool that controls all the VMware hosts. Nice. And PowerCLI is, I guess, the module that interacts with that the PowerShell module. Yes, yes, and that's that is built, yeah, on top of Power PowerShell, and that's that's probably really what got me into using PowerShell more. You know, when I first when I first started with PowerShell, previous to when I worked in enterprise, you know, it's kind of like what I hear a lot of your guests talk about is you know some um, Exchange server management, maybe some Windows management, but when I um got into enterprise um, IT. And when you're dealing with, you know, 
hundreds and thousands of VMs, you want to be able to do the automation. And to do that with, with vCenter is, is to use the PowerCLI module. So that was one, when we started asking what some of your favorite modules, I thought PowerCLI would be mentioned a lot more because that one, it, it's massive. I used it for my first server automation before I was real comfortable with PowerShell. I was still learning and it, it was pr pretty intuitive and it, it touches everything for, yeah. for the virtualization space. I mean, I, I use it to, you know, if, if different app teams would come to me or the storage team would come to me and want to create some reports that they didn't have access to, you know, you can use that to reach in to um, create reports. Um, the one, the one place I worked, um, there's, there's a really cool command with PowerCLI. If you, if you've ever, have you guys ever worked in a zero trust environment at all? I have not. No. So, so if you're working in zero and what I mean by zero trust is when you would create a new VM, all the ports to that VM are, are closed. So you can't, you can't access it your normal way. So with PowerCLI, there's a command that's called invoke VM script. So what, what that allows you to do, so if you, make a, if you make a connection using that module to your vCenter, which is your management piece, you can send PowerShell commands down to a Windows VM without having ports open to that VM. So like when you're building brand new VMs and you want to add you know, some agents or make some registries, whatever you normally do to your VMs to get them to be production ready. If, if ports aren't open in a zero trust environment, you know, it's, it's like, well, how, how can I make my changes? So by, by using invoke VM, VM script, it allows you to write these little scripts that will go in and you can copy files down, um, run, like I said, run installations, all, all kinds of nice nice ways to do some automation. Or let's say you worked in an environment that your security team said, you know, we're not going to open up the ports to your normal PowerShell ports. You could, in a, in, a, in a VMware type environment, you could still get access to those um, VMs by using that command. Because what it's using, when each VM that's in a power, in a VMware vCenter environment, you have VMware tools, which is what makes that communication possible. So it's almost like being able to do like an enter PS session or an invoke command on a remote machine when normally that would be locked down from you. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good example of, of what's the name that. of the command though? It's invoke VM script. Cool. So yeah, so what you what what you what you do is you can define your your script that you want to run. And then you also have to pass, you know, for security reasons, you still have to pass your credentials to, so you have to know the local credentials for the VM you're connecting to. And then you also need to know your credentials to vCenter. So, you know, security teams shouldn't really be concerned because you're, it's almost like you have to know two creds to get in. And then when you, when you run those scripts, it's, it's the same as if you're on that VM running those commands. So, so would that work with uh, like the secrets management module where you might not have access to other things, but if it can access the secrets management, you could have the credentials still locked down and secure, but be able to pull those down dynamically without storing them. Yeah. If, if the creds 
for yeah, if your credentials for your local VM were in some um, management system, yeah, because you know, there's an example. You know, some I've, I use some different products depending on where I worked that they would store the credentials for every VM. So I would make an API call out to your your secret manager, pull down your creds, and then you could pass that to your VM through through that command. Yeah. And kind of programmatically you could do it based on the name of the VM or something like that. Yes. And then get the actual yep. you could have a different password for each VM kind of deal. Cool. Yeah. It's a fun command. I think what you mentioned earlier about having PowerCL, I kind of open your mind to PowerShell and really take you to the next level and show you the wild potential of it. I think a lot of people have that experience <clears throat> from what I've heard, at least, uh, talking to people. Yeah. Um, like I, yeah, like I said, it's, I dabbled in, in PowerShell, but then once, once I got into enterprise IT and you're dealing with so many different servers, you have to, you have to do automation. You, you don't want to sign into every VM <laughs> annually and make changes. So by, by understanding all the different commands that they have, um, and any, anything you want to do in vCenter, you can pretty well do with them um, through the module. Host, VMs, storage, networking, all those kinds of changes. And it's all using PowerShell. That is one I would like to go back and see my old work. I don't have access to it anymore. See my old work on that one, though, because my, my start in PowerShell was Exchange. As okay at it, but I still ways to go. The first project where I built on to build big automation was with uh, PowerCLI, but I am confident I have a whole bunch of bad practices in there. So I, I, I almost want to go back, have them rehire me so I can redeem myself, and then I'll quit again because I didn't like working there. So let's say you are in a small environment, you're using VMware. What are some beginner tasks? you should look to automate? Or what would be some good kind of first use cases before you really adopt everything? Um, a, good, a good use case would be, let's say an application team is going to up, do an upgrade and they want to do a snapshot. And what a snapshot does, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a snapshot of the VM. So if something happens during that upgrade that you can roll back and, and start over again if you need to. So if you have, you know, 20, 30 VMs making up your application or even 10, you know, I always, <laughs> I always say, you know, I'm the, some people say the lazy type of admin and that, you know, why manually go into each VM and, and take a snapshot. Um, so if you would have a list of VMs in a CSV file, or even if you used, you know, the power CLI command and you would connect to vCenter and, if you had them in a certain folder or if you had had them tagged, vCenter allows you to create tags that you can say, all right, show me all the VMs based on that. And then you could automate that process to take snapshots. So then let's so say you do your upgrade, everything's working fine. So instead of manual, they're again manually going into 30 servers and removing the snapshots, you can also remove snapshots. Um, with the with the commands, nice. <laughs> kind of, I think a lot recently. Jordan, uh, Jordan has listened to the next podcast, but a lot of people have talked about 
what's your exit strategy? Before doing something that could have big consequences, how are you going to respond if it doesn't go well? And it sounds like that's kind of what we're talking about here. You have some changes. <clears throat> what's your exit strategy? Take those snapshots first, right? Sorry. If things hit the fan, you have your snapshots. So interesting little tie in there. I think the last time I used Power CLI was uh, it was with snapshots. There was a time frame snapshots would delete after a certain amount of time, but then there was a tag you could throw in there and it would make it so the snapshot never deleted. And as you might expect, developers threw that tag in a lot. So I used Power CLI to go through and find out who was keeping snapshots that they shouldn't have. There was terabytes wasted. Because snapshots are, are vicious. Like the longer you let them go, the the more space they're going to eat up. It's and it, and to to kind of help in that area, if you have developers that let snapshots hang around, some of the stuff that I would automate and do do like a scheduled run, probably I think every day or so, and then I would create this email report all through PowerShell that I would just reach into in the vCenter and say, show me every VM that has a snapshot. And give me the age. And then what I what we the one place where I worked, we used um, Teams for chat. So I would take the results from the Power, you know, use PowerShell to talk to vCenter using that module, get the results, and then I would do a webhook into Teams using PowerShell, and I would send the results and a nice notification that says, "Here's all your VMs that that have snapshots." So then the whole team would get the results every day. Gotta love a good team's webhook. Gotta. <laughs> yeah. I, I always gotta highlight those. It it made this yeah, we used we used that for you know creating new VMs or you know when I when I would auto when I would let users automate the um, creation of snapshots, we would also put that kind of information into a team's channel using PowerShell and um, just doing a invoke web request to, to call that webhook. And then you could send the data there and it gets, gets documented. And you can do the same thing with Zoom or what, or any, uh, you know, Slack, you know, whatever, <clears throat> you know, I, I, tr I try to consider myself like Switzerland when it comes to which tools to work with is, you know, whatever your company's working with, you could take those results and push it into any of those types of products yeah anything for corporate communications doesn't have the ability to plug in with an api is right. already webhook, irrelevant yeah, yeah webhook yeah yeah um love highlighting it especially because if you're early on in your powershell career you know we're mentioning big ways to have an impact it makes such a difference when you are doing work and other people can see it and when people, when you're showing results to people that are relevant to them, right? Having that be visible to your manager and other people is always a good thing. And to be able to do that from the same script you're already writing, oh my goodness, it just feels nice. Feels good. Now, as, as people get more familiar with PowerShell or Power CLI and they kind of see how those tools work, you know, to, to make changes to vCenter and stuff like that, you know, VMware also has a product that they call it um, Aria Automation. And what that allows you to do is to create like a catalog that users can sign into, that you can have all your automation um, processes that they can request them. And then what it does is it, it can call like a workflow 
And those workflows can also run PowerShell. And then then there's also actions and stuff within that product. And and all those actions um, can can also be PowerShell. So any anytime I create custom workflows or actions, you know, that's usually my my first go-to language is to try to do it all in PowerShell. Now, what's interesting about using their automation product is it's PowerShell the same as if it's running on Linux. So things are a little different than if you're doing it from Windows. Interesting. But a lot of the like PowerCLI is 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 baked into that. So to connect to vCenter and to do all the stuff that we just talked about with P Power CLI, you can do that within their their automation tool, but you you need to do it in a, in the same way that you would do it from a Linux server. Nice. So certain certain parameters are slightly different. Gotcha. Than they are in Windows. So Dale want to get to know you a little bit better i know that we've chatted uh, for a while over dms for several weeks but you know take us back what's your career looked like you know what has your trajectory been what kind of led you to where you are today curious to hear what your experience is sure yeah um you know because i I do a lot of talks in the community and um, people ask you know how how are you able to do the automation and stuff that you're able to do and if you if you really go back, to, you know my last my senior year of high school, I went to a technical school. So my whole twelfth grade was all at this tech school, and I went to be a machinist. And mm. uh, my my father was a diesel mechanic, and I always had an interest on the machining side of things. So I went to Votech to be a machinist, and the my the year that I was at that school they got their first CNC machine, which is a computer-controlled milling machine. So I, that's, that was really probably my first really programming that I really did was to learn CNC programming. So after, after school, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, and to, to, to do the writing of the programs is what I really enjoyed because right out of high school, I, I ran one of the machines for a while and, and that, that was boring to me, you know, to take the wheel in this cart and they give you a couple hundred things that you have to kind of, you know, watch the machine do automatically. So you're just kind of this, this robot. So I wanted to always be the one that wrote the programs. So I did get a job to be a CNC programmer. And so then during that job is, you know, I kind of, my career kind of went through as PCs were getting more popular. Cause when <laughs> I hate to say this, but when I first started, you know, it was like DOS was the popular, you know, computers. And then you got into windows three, one and kind of worked my way up through all the different versions of windows through the years. But, but even like when I was doing the CNC programming, I'm like, you know what, this, there has to be an easier way. So I, I did write some automation to even to create the CNC programs. And I used, I used Excel to do a lot of that. <laughs> you would put in a couple values and I wrote, you know, that would be using the VBA that's built into Excel back in, in those years, early nineties. And then it would, it would automatically create my programs and stuff for me. So I did that for a while. And then, um, the, the 
computer support company that came to that business, I got to be really good friends with the owner. And so they were like a consulting company that traveled like a two, two, three hour radius of their corporate headquarters. And, um, I got exposed to a little bit of everything. I always say I was, I was like a jack of all, master of none. So, you know, you would deploy servers or networking or PCs or printers. We, we were kind of the support staff for small and medium businesses. So I did that for about 10 years. And then I got into uh, enterprise IT. So doing infrastructure. That's when, you know, I first got exposed to VMware, um, did some, you know, enterprise storage, sand storage, um, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's where <clears throat> I would say that's where my PowerShell really took off then was because of being on the VMware team to automate, you know, of making changes to uh, vCenter and servers. And when you say on the VMware team, do you mean, for VMware or on the team at your place that at, does VMware? At the place where I worked, they, they, had a, they had a team that was dedicated to work with the VMware products. So, so when I started there, yeah, so that gave me, and that, I went from, you know, small, medium businesses that had, you know, maybe six servers and stuff to an enterprise that had, you know, a couple hundred hosts, <laughs> you know, 6,000 VMs. I, rem I remember the, my first day on the job at that enterprise place, they used a lot of HP um, blade servers. And we walked up to this rack and the guy was starting to show me how to do some. They had more sitting on the rack that they weren't using than what a lot of the businesses that I worked at had in production. So that, that kind of opened up my eyes to enterprise IT. It's, it, it's always interesting. I think uh, matters of scale is a good entry point for PowerShell for a lot of people. When, when it just, it comes to a point where it, whether you want to know automation or not, you're going to learn it. Yeah, you have, you have to. And when you're working with that many VMs and servers. And then when I, when I started there is when, you know, you guys talk about the community a lot. Um, so there is also a community for, for VMware, they call it VMUG. And part of that community, they, they do talk about, you know, Power CLI, but then all, all their other products. So I went as a person just attending for the first couple of years, kind of like what you guys, you know, talk about with your guests. It's like, hey, I wanted to go and learn. And then, and then you get to meet these people at these events. And then people would share. And I'm like, you know, I, I want to do that someday. So I I was an attendee for a while, and then finally I'm like, you know what, I, I got asked to do some presenting. So um, I, I, I did a presentation and, and then um, just started doing a lot more of that. So when you said you were asked to do some presenting, how'd that happen? Was it because you were, your face was familiar enough that they were like, oh, Dale should talk? A lot of the people that would attend um, those events there's, there's a lot of interest from upper management to automate processes and they just didn't, they couldn't get it going. They couldn't like, they couldn't get started. They're like, how do, how do I get started? So I would go and talk about my journey. You know, this is, this is how I, you know, started with PowerShell and PowerCLI. And then when I started using, 
you know, the ARIA automation piece and used, used PowerShell and, and that just to kind of talk about my journey and to, to, you know, to talk about what kind of person that maybe they should look to hire to, to fill that role too. Um, if you can, if you can take, you know, I, I kind of, I don't, I still don't really consider myself a programmer, but it's what I've done very much for the last couple of years. I was an infrastructure guy that wanted to automate things. So I learned to program. And so if you could take somebody that is very familiar with how to do the infrastructure piece to teach and then teach him how to do the automation through like using power CLI, I think you get some really good results. And then, so I did talk at some local VMUGs and then there's also a community group called HVC, which is the stands for, when I worked in enterprise IT, it was for healthcare. So they actually have a community just for healthcare to get together. That's just the IT people. And it was called HVC, which stands for healthcare virtualization community. So there I did some presentations and got to meet more people. And I got to meet some people that were employees of VMware. So <clears throat> the one year I was doing some, some automation and they asked me to present at their conference that they have every year, which is called VM world. So I, I did a session on how I would automate doing windows server builds. If you, if you ever go out and look at a lot of the demos, that um, VMware presents, lots of times it's with Linux. So to have somebody that is very heavy on the Windows side, really, they had a lot of interest to be able to, to bring somebody like that on to, to do a presentation and, and talk about how they do it for Windows. Nice. Yeah, that's probably a pretty uh, useful resource for people to check out. Yeah, so the, and it's, it's recorded and it's out on the website that people can can go see and then and then with with the automation side i did start using i know this is about powershell but i'd start using salt a little bit and i used powershell with salt i don't know if you're familiar with that product no just give us a quick little summary i'm sure a lot of people listening maybe aren't that familiar i always wanted to use you know a configuration management tool you know there's some of the products, you know, you have like Ansible and Chef and Puppet and Salt kind of falls into that category. So VMware is building Salt into their automation product. So I, I, part of my presentation was with that. But if there's, if there's things that, if there's functions that aren't available that's built into the product, my first go-to is then to always write a PowerShell script to go and do what I want. So you can have salt run PowerShell scripts on your local um, VMs. Nice. Yeah. As soon as you get PowerShell involved, it feels like anything is possible. Well, right? That's that's kind of the, the, the role in some of the training is, you know, if in doubt, script out. <laughs> so if, if you can't find a built-in function of salt that, that does what you want, then go write a script. Nice. Yeah. If they empower me to figure it out by myself with PowerShell, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. I, and it seems more and more these days that uh, there's opportunities to utilize PowerShell to make things actually work. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so being involved with the community, I know you guys talk about that a lot. Yeah. 
left gave, gave me a chance to meet a lot of people that that were employees of VMware, and um, through some conversations, I then became what they call a technical account manager for VMware um, last summer. And my my focus is is helping customers with automation and also monitoring and logging, which kind of falls under that whole ARIA suite of products. But um, some, it's nice to be able to take what I've learned, you know, the last six seven years doing automation as a customer, to now then go and help other other organizations get started doing automation. Nice. I have a question. So you mentioned getting started with talking and doing some talks and then you went to VM world, which I haven't been, but I imagine it sounds like a bit of a big event. Um, how stressful was that for you? Like, what was that like? Was that a walk in the park for you? Was it kind of a big deal? Were you like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. The local V mugs, you, you may get, you know, 30, 40 people. So that's not too bad. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and I, th I think for me personally, I don't know how other people feel. If I'm doing like a Zoom presentation and I'm talking to the screen like I am with you guys, if it's two, if it's three of us or 300, I don't care. I kind of look at it as being the same. So I think COVID actually helped me build my presentation skills because I started, you know, VMUG and then also Power Blocks. Some of the Power Blocks that I did presentations for were, you know, three, four hundred people attending at a time. So I just didn't. I just looked at it as, you know, it's just me talking to, to the to the screen almost. And but now that now that we're starting to do more in person again, I I was at a VMUG two weeks ago and kind of talked in front of the group a little bit more. So. It was just something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and I think the, the more you do it and the more you're around the community, whether, you know, if it's a PowerShell community or VMUG or, or you know, I'm, I think there's like SQL, SQL user yeah. groups, any, any user group like that at all. If you have an interest, you know, kind of do what I did. Go and get familiar with it, you know, start, start to meet some people and, I think take I think, that next step. Yep. I think everybody that attends those events has something that they can teach somebody else. There's something that they that they do that somebody, you know, just that little aha moment is like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Um, you know, um some some simple little things that can yeah, just even filtering better or there's right. all kinds of things you could do that would just add value because people forget things change. It's nice to be reminded you bring a different perspective. It's okay to redo topics. It's not like, oh, no, we talked about that four years ago. Can't ever repeat it. No, it's good to have that kind of thing be uh, refreshed. No, when it comes to automation, you know, one of the things, if you read some of my blog posts or if I talk, I always say there's a hundred ways to do the same thing, you know, whether you're using PowerShell or somebody wants to use another type of language, you know, and, and is, is one way right and one way wrong? No, as long as you can, as long as you can create a process that is, you know, consistent and it works and, it, and it's faster, that's, that's, that's what I see as being a, a plus. Um, well, you know, on a personal level, 
how do you feel, you know, being in a different industry, sort of being a CNC machinist, which is interesting because I used to do tech support my first job ever in IT and part of the computers were like the used by the CNC machinist and man, those were hard to troubleshoot and they were picky. They were off the internet. I had to go there and huge machine. Um, but going through that journey to now be in IT and now be pretty successful and maybe be in a spot that he didn't really know existed, you know, to work for kind of a big company kind of thing. What's that like? How is it now? Are you used to it? I, I like it a lot. You know, it's when, when you get involved in the community, you know, my, my role as a TAM, you know, technical account manager, is to help my customers. So, you know, all day long, it's almost like going to a PowerShell user group meeting and, and you're helping your customers, you're giving them example code. I have a nice lab area that I have set up that I can demo and show them scripts that, uh, that I write. Um, if there's something that they're that they want to do that I've never used before, um, I'll set it up in my lab and and give give them the example. And I always say, you know, here's some example code, and if they don't understand the code, I'll I'll work them I'll work through it with them so that they understand it. So I, I find it to be very f- fulfilling, you know, that you can help people that that giving giving back, you know, you whether it's a community event or even in my job, um, it's, I really, cause like with my blog, I have people from all over the world reach out to me sometimes saying, Hey, thanks for writing this article, sharing that code. Um, it, it really helped me get over that, that step, you know, just, just this morning, there was a customer out in a, you know, I'm, I live in central PA and, you know, working with VMware, you could be working with customers from all over the world. But a, a guy from Ohio asked me a question and I gave him an answer. He goes, that, that's exactly what I needed. And it just it, it makes you feel good. That's such a great point. And, you know, we've heard it a, a handful of times before how important it can be to get good, honest feedback. Because um, it's scary sometimes putting things out there and trying new things and and really taking that next step as I apparently say a lot yeah when i first started doing my blogs and i started putting you know my code out there <laughs> i was always like are people going to make fun of my code you know because maybe i don't code it the the way they do or something but i always just say hey, it's here's an example you know take it you know read over it if you want to change it slightly go ahead but maybe at least gives you a starting point I, yeah. I try to follow the standards. You know, I, I do read a lot of different, you know, a lot of your guests that come on that wrote the books I've, I've, I've read or I've read their books that they, that they've written. And um, so, yeah, listening to your podcast, is kind of nice to be able to hear some of those um, authors talk too. And they've, they've kind of gone through the same journeys. Yeah. P- part of what I've learned from sharing code which I don't do often, but occasionally is you, you rarely get the, Oh, this is wrong. It's more of a question. Hey, why did you do it like this? And it turns into a discussion where usually e- either they just hadn't seen it the way you've done it before. And, and they're fine with what it is, or you have an opportunity to learn something and how you could be more efficient. So it's, it's rarely just a straight negative, but it's more of a, it becomes a question that uh, gives you the opportunity to learn maybe a new way to do something. And if, if people listening, you know, if they go to the community and start presenting and, and they start blogging, 
the one the one thing I look that you're if if you write code and you put it out there and you write these articles and blog about different topics, people that want to hire you, they can see who you are. So it's almost like a resume that if you know sometimes if two people applied for a job and I this one person wrote a blog and you could go out and wow, he's sharing code. Oh, here's the code that he wrote. Um, that's really good code. That was very useful. And then, then the other person maybe didn't do that. You know, do, do, do you want to, do you want to hire the person that you see you know, what they put out there or somebody that just says, yes, I can, but there's no proof. Yeah. Hiring people is very risky. Make that less scary by showing them that you could be someone who can communicate and learn new things and actually perform uh, some, some tasks that are quite relevant to the job. Right. Yeah. So you know, you, even even doing the community presentations, I think I think will show maybe a future employer that hey, this this person maybe not only shares at the community level, but if he's in my office working, he's going to share with all his coworkers the same way, and that's that's um, that's the way I I am. Yeah, um, part of the community. I don't think I did say it. Uh, VMware has what they call a V expert, which is kind of like a MVP in the PowerShell area. So I've been part of that for the last four years now. And and what that does is it's a recognition to the people that that give back to the community. So if you're doing presentations or if you're doing blogging, um, they will recognize you for that by giving you the title of a what they call a V expert. Nice. Congrats on that. Unlike Microsoft, I guess you can be employed and still get one. I know that Microsoft, they take that MVP from you. Yeah, I was before I got employed. And there are some employees that, that still get that title. Um, and it's it's a way to recognize people, like I said, that you know do the blogging and, yeah. and the presentations and stuff. You guys have me nervous about this uh, blog being as kind of an addition to a resume because I believe in my last blog, the entire premise is I got drunk and on a dare I copied my social security <laughs> on a bunch of computers. That feels like that's not going to help me on the job hunt. Honesty. Wow. <laughs> this guy, really honest. Well, usually yeah. when I write a blog, I'll write it and then let it sit for 24 hours and then go read it again before you actually publish it. So maybe that's some advice for you. <laughs> Measure twice, cut once. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, we, we got a team. I'll, I'll tell you the biggest biggest thing I do wrong is I go straight into the jokes and the people that are in charge of SEOs, no one cares about that. Your first paragraph should highlight what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, Dale, here's a question. What do you think about our podcast titles, man? Are they good? Do you like the funny ones or the more like accurate ones? Because I think over the times we've kind of moved away from the jokey ones, haven't we, Jordan? Or have we not? I don't know. I, I guess if it has, hasn't been a, know, a purposeful I, choice. I probably don't look at the title as much as maybe who's who the guest is. That's fair. What do you think about this proposed title I have here? Don't hassle the Haas injury. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, Jordan and I love coming up with fun names. So uh, we we do that, but then there's one where I put Dex Nose, which I didn't realize was a, a regional thing for my specific area. 
So nobody knew what I was talking about. To me, it was hilarious. People in Utah, they got it. But I didn't realize it was very limited in scope. So the 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 entire title just missed. You have so many references that I just assume that I just am out of the loop most of the time. So I didn't I didn't catch that it was just regional. But I love what you highlighted, Dale, about that growth process through the community, through doing uh, public speaking or blogging. And, and it's cool to hear that it's not just the PowerShell community that has people growing and, and has a friendly community. I personally haven't been to any, actually I have been to one VMware user group, but that was a long, long time ago. But from what I've heard, it's pretty good things. Would you say it's a pretty uh, inviting community? Because that's one of my favorite things about the PowerShell community is how growth oriented and how much they encourage people to grow. I, I think it's a good community. Yes. And then pe- people aren't afraid to, to come and, and share how they, how they do certain processes in their business. You know, even, even like that one that was the HVC that I talked about, which was healthcare, you know, we're all in the same business, but yet we're not, we're not really competing against each other in it. You know, it's, it's go and share the ideas. Um, I, at the at the at the one event, you know, I, I met somebody that I ended up going to work with the same business as them because I thought he was he came to those events and shared how he did things and did a lot of talking. And I'm like, hey, that's somebody that I would also like to work with someday. And um, I worked with them for three years. So so not only yeah, it advanced my career. It left me meet people that I wanted to work with and. Um, Got me to really where I am today. Nice. You mentioned blogging and, and posting things and feeling you know a little bit of fear with that initial thing. And uh, whenever I was going through that initially with my first blog, I believe I shared it with Josh King and got some good feedback. So if anyone out there is looking to make that first blog and you're concerned, you just want a second set of eyes, hey, is this too wild to post? Should I not post this? Is this silly? And you just want that extra set of eyes? Feel free to send it to Jordan and I, powershellpdq.com. We'll give you that that thumbs up or the thumbs down. We'll, we'll let you know if you need that extra little hand. Because once you get started, it really is such, it, it can be such a fun, fulfilling journey. They can lead to all kinds of wild, exciting things, as you can tell by the stories from our amazing guests, just like Dale. And, and there's lots of options to do blogging today. Um, there's, there's, for for what I do with my blogging, the only thing I have to really pay for every every year is my domain name. As far as hosting the website and and how to do it, um, there's there's no cost. So I've been curious about the domain name. Is there a story behind Vcrocs? <laughs> yeah, I I like to wear Crocs, and some of my coworkers and I've <clears throat> I've been wearing Crocs for boy. 15 years, 20 years, and people would make fun of me. So I said, I'm going to call my my uh, website V Crocs. And they're like, no, you're not. And I guess I am. So, um, And then so anytime I do a presentation, I'll always be wearing Crocs during that presentation. And, um, and the, v, the V part, you know, there's all, there, was, there was all kinds of bloggers out there like uh, V... V brisket or V, you know, there are all kinds of people would put V in front of their name if your focus was, you know, VMware products. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do V Crocs. So I, I do like a domain name to stick it to the haters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, a bold move. 
Well, how's it been? If you've been a longtime fan of, fan of Crocs, those came in style. My 12 year old nephew like wants them and bought a pair and I got a new pair and he's like, whoa, dude, those are so cool. Have you noticed that? Like what's going on? Yes. Yeah, I was, um, I was the trendsetter. You were. We, we check out his Instagram, Jordan, and it's just pictures of a closet full of Crocs. <laughs> 100,000 likes. So due to my IT career, I am actually uncomfortable with Crocs. Why? Uh, I was a contract employee where they were doing some downsizing, and that was like the Grim Reaper. I would go there and I would ask people to like, go take their computers and pull off critical data. And that was my job for six months at Crocs. And so that I associate Crocs to the most miserable time of my IT career where wow. everybody hated me, justifiably so. We just made a weird connection there. Wow, small <laughs> world. So I, I am sure the footwear is comfortable, but uh, there's a mental block I'll probably never get over. Wow. Jordan, do you hold resentment towards Dale? Because <laughs> yes, personally, yes, him personally, he wears Crocs. And it was an uncomfortable job at, right out of college. So both of those things. <laughs> What's the favorite color croc, though? Which, which color are we going with? Uh, mine would just be black. That's fair. Is that black the or, only color? Black or cam. I have some camo ones, too. Nice. Nice. White ones I've seen my uh, nephew wear. Yeah. They're all white. But, Jordan, do you think Dale's ready? I mean, I know Dale said he's listening to a couple podcasts here and there. He's heard us talk a couple times, but... Can we hit him with some hard hitters? Can we hit him with a slam dang, slam jam? Well, I, I can say that even if someone believes they're ready for the common parameters, mm-hmm. they're never really ready for the common parameters. When, once, it's, common. once it's live, all, all bets are off. This is, this is where we separate the true professionals from the people like me. Wow. And this is a first in Dale's career, so congrats, Dale. Welcome to the common parameters. <laughs> Thank you. All right, number one. What is one time something went wrong on the job? How did you handle it, and what did you learn? Yeah, um, I was thinking about that. Um, you know, when I, when I went from the piece, when I went from being the CNC programmer into the IT field, I was I was excited. I got my first chance. You know, I'm doing IT work, traveling around, and. Um, one time I went to upgrade one of the PCs at this business and the cases back in the nineties weren't always the best to get open and, or to get access to like your memory chips and stuff. And you had to actually remove the CD-ROM to be able to get into where the, where the memory chips were. And when I was removing the CD-ROM, it slipped out of my fingers and actually went down onto the motherboard and took it out. <laughs> so I had to go to the business owner and say, Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I hurt your computer. I'm going to, I actually went back to our office and got them a loaner to use. And then we had to buy a new replacement board and, and um, get it, get that up and running again for them. So, you know, I kind of learned, you know, just to be a little more, a little more careful doing working with hardware and, and other people's property, um, kind of embarrassed a little bit, you know, kind of that newbie IT person, and um, kind of learned from that. I don't know. This, this is why we need uh, more realistic TV, because if this was a TV show, you dropped the CD, it just would have made some new connections, and you would have created a new faster motherboard. <laughs> dog, dog would have made some jump shots. 
download some RAM kind of deal. Nice. But yeah, I remember when I dropped it and you're like looking, it's like, oh, did I hurt anything? And then you hit the power switch and there's just like nothing, no lights, no nothing. It's like, ah. Oh. You didn't let the smoke out, did you? Because people don't know this, but electronics run on smoke. And once you let the smoke out, it's broken. You can't put it back in. All right. You do pretty good, but it only gets worse from here. I hope, I hope you're ready for common parameter number two. With everything you know now in IT, what's one tip you would give your younger self when you were first starting out? I would, I would want to get into enterprise IT sooner in my career to make an effort to, to try to get into a company that is bigger. You know, I learned a lot when I was in, you know, the small medium business where you got to kind of learn a lot of things. But when I got into enterprise and started doing the automation piece, that's, that's where I just, I, I enjoy my job. You know, I, I just enjoy getting up in the morning and, and when you, when you create that automation that somebody runs and it saves them hours of time, it just, I think it's very satisfying, you know, like when doing server builds, you know, when you would manually build a server and maybe it takes you three, four hours. And if you use, you know, a product like I was talking about where you can create this catalog where it says, just enter the memory, the CPU, how big do you want the hard drives? You hit submit 20 minutes later, everything's done and it's ready to go to production. That's, that's a pretty cool feeling. I know, um, right. The one place I worked, there was a, like, I would say a level one engineer that kind of did the server builds. So the manager was going to go away for two weeks and he had like a request for 30, 40 servers. So he gave it to this guy <laughs> before he left on vacation. Well, that one afternoon in like three, four hours, he was done. So by using the automation that I created, he was this, you know, level one person was able to do all this work. And he's like, well, what do I do when you're gone for two weeks now? Because that guy looking at the old way of doing things manually, it probably would have kept him busy for several days, you know, a week or more. But by creating the automation, he was, he was just done quicker. So, so yeah, I wish, I wish I would have got into automation and stuff quicker in my career. That's an interesting kind of perspective. I've had a, similar-ish view going from a place where I was, it was kind of jack of all trades, smaller IT team, and then going to a place that does things a little bit different in a yeah, good I'm, way. I'm glad I, I'm glad I started out that way because it just exposed me yeah. to so many different parts of IT. A wide net kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of helps build your skills on a, on a bigger level. And I still use some of those skills today. Um, but to, to get to that level where, you know, you can do things through automation, just it's very, it's just something I really enjoy a lot. So start writing a blog. If you're at one of those places where it's maybe a, uh not ideal from an automation perspective, start writing your blogs, prove that you maybe have some skills, lab a little bit, and then you can maybe start applying at some of those places that can give you a different perspective on things if you're interested in taking things to that level. Dang, Dale, if people get more money around here because of this advice, <laughs> dang. Well, that's one of the side benefits, you know, 
if you work an enterprise, um, lots of times the pay is better. The benefits could be better. Um, so, you know, your career, get your retirement built up quicker as you're younger. Yeah, um, definitely helps. I've found that the more you prove yourself to be a trusted and reliable person and you can prove that publicly, the better it will be for you in your career. And, and if you're working for an enterprise type location and you'd go talk at VMUG events, sometimes people will just walk up to you and say, hey, you know, heard you worked at this location. That's really cool. You know, and then maybe they'll start asking you questions. Well, how many how many VMs do you really have there? And when you start throwing out numbers like five, six thousand, they're they're just kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's quite a bit. You know, how do you manage them? And that's when you get into the whole automation talk yeah it was i can't, I can't remember i forgot the guess but he said uh server should be cattle not pets and i think once you get to six thousand, it's mandatory yep all right so far you're crushing it i'll be honest i thought i'd get you and you work through it but it's the almost third like one. he knew these were coming like what's going on <laughs> it's impossible to know these beforehand i change them up every time they're all unique the last <laughs> Last common parameter. What are your three favorite modules? Well, I'm sure you won't be surprised by my first favorite module, which is Power CLI. I mean, I've it's been my life for the last six, seven years. You know, I wrote so many lines of code with that. Um, my next one would probably be DBA Tools. And I know you had Chrissy on a couple months ago, and that was interesting for me to listen to her session that you guys did because what what i do with powershell when when i would run a lot of the automation i would write the results back into a sql database to say here's what i did here's the time you know here's the person that ran it and then sometimes what i would do with that information you know part of my job is, is besides automation is also monitoring i would then feed my monitoring programs from that SQL database information. So I, I did a lot with, with the uh, DBA tools and that module made it very easy. So that's, man, you went, sir, big hitters. Like you went for two modules that are almost a product of their own at this point with the power CLI and the, and the, and the DBA tools. Those are some, some big hitters. So my third one, um, I don't know if anybody ever brought this up, when you're, when you're doing automation on products that are more Linux-based or maybe storage arrays and stuff that you have to SSH into those, there's a, there's a module called Posh SSH. And I would, I would use that with a lot of my automation to, to be able to run those CLI-type commands because what it, it makes an SSH connect, connection into you know, Linux servers or some kinds of appliance or even like a storage array, like I said. And if for some reason they didn't have a PowerShell module or maybe even they didn't expose what you needed to do by an API, I would use Posh SSH to go and run a command on, on those, those types of appliances. Nice. And that's I, a good module. I've, I've, I've done that quite a bit. Because there's always a quite, I mean, with PowerShell being seven and more likely to be able to connect to those things. But in, until then, like SSH is something that seems simple, but it always requires a, a tool that's not always, unless you're in it often, 
I've, I've looked at the built-in SSH, and I think that the module just kind of made it very easy. I guess maybe because I was familiar with it. You know, I used it in, in 5, and then when I moved to 7, I still used it. But it also lets you do um, SCP-type commands, too, if you would want to do that, besides the SSH. So it's, it's a nice module. Because, yeah, when, you know, we're, <clears throat> we talked about a lot about the community and stuff like that, but, you know, the reason I have those modules, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I would, would automate, I don't know if you would want to get into a list of products or not, but I could, I could kind of name some of them that, that we did automation on. No, it's, I mean, it sounds like in, anything you could do to uh, send your automation out into new avenues that maybe PowerShell is not natively reaching is always useful. I, I can say that any I've never come across anything that I have not been able to automate with PowerShell. So as it, as it should be, that's that's a fantastic. So whether I had to add a module to my environment to be able to talk to it or to make you know API calls to it or you know like the posh SSH just to kind of make a connection in and run the commands to do the automation. Um, there, so far in my career, there hasn't, hasn't been anything yet that I couldn't do with PowerShell. Sweet. I don't know if you're aware of this, Dell, but Andrew, when he, yeah, when he speaks at you, it is like your soul has its own pair of Crocs. <laughs> it just, it's just so soothing and calming, and you just go by feeling like you're safe. You're protected with with his words, and uh, we get the treat of every week. He gets to take these, the skill, this gift, and and use it to shill our own podcast. Take take a, it away, Andrew. A skillful shill, full of compliments for you, Jordan. Excellent job today. What a fun episode, Dale. You took us on a journey, man. I was there with you. I'm excited to. Share this with some people. Get some VMware people involved. You know what's up? PowerShell's out there. Heck yeah. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening to us on a power on a podcast platform, give us a five-star review. And you can also write something. You can find us on Twitter at PowerShellPod or email us PDQ. Or sorry, PowerShell at PDQ.com. Jordan, are you on Twitter? At DevOpsJordan. I'm on Twitter at AndrewPlotTech. Dale, where can yes. people where can um, people find you? I'm on Twitter also, you know, at Dale Hassier. And then also my blog, you know, the www.vcrocs.info. You can go and read about me. Gotta love the crocs. <laughs> that is I can't wait to tell my nephew about that. He's gonna love that. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you so much for spending time with us. It's interesting to hear a bit more in-depth about Power CLI because it's one that I always really enjoyed. I like to see some of the Far, far more hands-on than I've got with it and see that everything it can do. Yeah, thanks for letting me join and share the knowledge. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. He's a troublemaker. He's a rabble rouser. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.